All right, folks, we're in Lesson 10 today. We're going to be focusing on the issue of freedom and sexual sin. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. So last week we looked at the first part and concerning the issue of lawsuits, and so now he is going on to another issue, another problem, and that's what our focus is going to be through the rest of chapter 6. So what we're going to do, first of all, is we're going to discuss the issue of freedom, and we find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. Notice with me what Paul says. He writes in verse 12, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. So we're looking at the issue of freedom here. So when we talk about freedom, I I want you to understand what Paul means by freedom. So I want you to think back to his background as a Jew. Pretty much every area of the life of a Jew, even to this day, was regulated in some form. What they could do, what they couldn't do, what they could touch, what they couldn't touch, what they could eat, what they shouldn't eat, maintaining the Sabbath, not working on that day, every area of their life. And it's even true to this day when you look at those who are Jewish, who are adhering to their faith, they very much live a very regulated life. And with that, they are restricted by God's word by the law from doing certain things. And so Paul is basically saying here that, you know, we have freedom in Christ, but there are some parameters. And I think that's really good for you and I to think about is that while we have freedom, there's going to be some parameters. So he's going to give us a argument here concerning the issue of freedom. And so I want to take note of a couple of things. So first of all, in the first part of verse 12, Paul expresses that all things are lawful for him as a believer in Jesus Christ. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, he is not bound by regulations, by legalisms, as what I would like to say. He is free in Christ. Now, with that, though, he's going to point out that there's some parameters, there's some boundaries to that. What do you mean, George? Well, Paul points out that while there is liberty, it is not necessarily beneficial. While you may have freedom to do whatever, the activity that you are getting involved in, it may not necessarily be beneficial for you to be involved with it. He also expresses in the very same phrase, you know, I have freedom, but I'm not going to allow myself to be dominated. So he expresses that he will not be dominated by anything. So you think, for instance, let's let's take the example of smoking. Scripture doesn't talk about smoking. Now, somebody might say, 
Well, yes, it talks about your body being a temple of the Holy Spirit, and so therefore they make the inference there that because of that I shouldn't smoke. Okay, but there's no direct command commanding anyone from not smoking. And through the years, there have been Christian leaders who have been involved, and even to this day, there are some who are involved in smoking things like cigars. Now, the problem is, is that while you may have freedom to do that, that doesn't necessarily mean that your involvement with that is beneficial to you. And we could say very clearly that it's not beneficial. It's not the greatest thing for you to be involved with. So there's an implication here. So the implication is that our freedoms will lead to a form of slavery. Our freedoms will lead to a form of slavery. So, for instance, let's get back to our example of smoking. One of the interesting things is while you may have freedom to smoke, you need to be realized that smoking is addictive. That it is a drug. And so, therefore, because of that, you can become addicted to it, and many have. So, while we may have freedoms, our freedoms basically can cause us to enter in a form of slavery. Now, when you look at verse 12, okay, we understand that that's the whole issue of 12, but where's he going with verse 13? Because when we get to verse 13, you know, he says food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one or the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, how do we get from freedom into sexual immorality? Well, I want you to remember something about Corinth. Corinth in its day was like Las Vegas, but Vegas on steroids. It was a major economic hub area. It was a piece of land situated between two bodies of water, and it was the easiest route for the ships of those days to go across to get to the other side rather than making the perilous journey around Greece to get to the other side. And so what would happen is, is that they would take those ships and roll them on logs over to the other side. And with that, there was great commerce there. And with that, there were many temples. And when you have many temples, you have literally thousands of prostitutes. So every form of illicit sexual behavior was available there. In fact, the historians of the day non-Christian writers of the day would refer to, in a derogatory way, to women as Corinthian girls. It's kind of like calling them a whore. And so this church is situated in this area. And so some of these folks believe now that they had freedom to engage in sexual immorality. Now, I want you to notice that what their their opinion is, it isn't that I'm forgiven, I can do whatever I want to. That That's not the opinion that's being expressed here. The opinion that's being expressed here is, well, just like food is for the body and the body is for food, basically the implication is, is sex is for the body and the body is for sex, so therefore we can do this. So the Corinthians, when you look at verse 13, The Corinthians felt that sex was the natural human response like eating food. But Paul's going to point out that actually this is not the same thing. 
So when you look at his response in verses 13 and 14, I just want to point out a few things here. So Paul points out that our bodies are not meant for sexual immorality. We're not meant for this sin. We were not created for this sin. Rather, our bodies belong to the Lord, and he is meant for us. So we belong to the Lord, and the Lord is for us. And so the God who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise believers from the dead. You're someone special. So you shouldn't be involved in sexual immorality. So again, so with the issue of freedom, you have freedom, but you don't have freedom in this area. When we get back to the issue of freedom, I have freedom, but it's not necessarily beneficial. And Paul says, I'm not going to allow myself to be dominated by anything. But when we talk about this whole issue of sex and sexual immorality, the reality is, is your body is not meant for that. So don't use the excuse that this is natural. So then he goes on to verse 15 through verse 20, and he talks about the evil of sexual sin. The evil of sexual sin. So let's take a look at this. Look with me at verse 15. Here's what Paul writes. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? As it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. All right, so here's what we're going to see. We're going to see the evil of sexual sin here in this part. First of all, Paul's going to express what the problem is in verse 15. He's basically wanting to point out to you that believers are members of Christ and they are joining their members to a prostitute. So what he's saying is, is you are a member of Christ. You are part of Christ's body. So when you go and engage in sexual immorality, for instance, in the issue of the Corinthians with a prostitute, you are now joining... Christ to that prostitute. That's the implication here. They're they're joining their members to the prostitute. Paul makes the point that believers cannot engage in sexual sin without any effect. And so what he's dealing with here is an attitude, and we have the same attitude in our culture, so it's an ancient attitude that it really doesn't hurt anyone. I can do whatever I want. There there is no victim. There is no no party who's harmed by this. And I can just do whatever I want. And that's the attitude of our culture today, and that was the attitude of the Corinthian culture. Nothing has changed. But the reality also is nothing has changed concerning whether or not this is true or not, because the fact is, it's not true. 
when you and I engage in sexual immorality, there are consequences. There are consequences with the people that we are involved with around us. There are consequences with, with regards to the person that we're involved in the sin with. There are consequences to you and I personally when we do this. And that's the point he's making here. Look again at verse 15. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? No. No, don't do that. There, there's implication here. So he's going to express the spiritual reality. Look with me at verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two become one flesh. So Paul explains that a believer joins to a prostitute spiritually as they become one flesh. So here he's quoting... The scripture, through many passages, we know this from the Old Testament, when man and woman come together in marriage, they become one flesh. It's the implication of the sexual relationship between a man and a woman, but they become one flesh. Not just physically one flesh, but spiritually one flesh. And so he's wanting to point out that when we talk about sex, it's not just a physical activity, it is a spiritual activity. And so you are joining to the prostitute, he's saying to those Corinthians, in a spiritual way. And so when I am joining with someone who is not my spouse, I am joining with them spiritually. So he's, he's wanting to wake them up to the reality that there is a spiritual thing going on here. So this isn't just, it's me and it's not affecting anyone. No, no, it's affecting a whole lot. In fact, it affects your relationship with Christ. In fact, he's going to point that out in verse 17. Look with me at verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So believers are spiritually linked or joined to Jesus Christ. Folks, you and I have to grasp that reality. A lot of times we think that the Lord is not here, we're alone. No, 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 you are joined to him. And so the implication is, is that when you engage in sin, any sin, not just sexual sin, you are joining Christ to that sin. And in this instance, he's telling the Corinthians, you're joining Christ to this prostitute. So then he gives them an exhortation. We see this in verse 18. Here's what he says in verse 18. It's flee from sexual immorality. Flee from sexual immorality. Now, what, what does that mean? Run away. It's interesting that the point is, is that with, with, with regards to this sin, you are not told to stand or defend yourself. You're told to get out of there. It's kind of the implication that you see in Genesis. Remember when Joseph was taken to Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife wanted him, and she arranged for them to be alone. And he, of course, she, of course, called him to come to bed with her. He wouldn't do it. And so he fled from the house. Now, it still didn't end up good for him, but the reality was is he fled. That's the only thing you can do. You have to flee from sexual immorality. So... Paul commands believers to flee from sexual sin. Don't look at this and say, oh my, I, can, I wonder how I can stand, I wonder how I can do it. You can't. The implication is you can't. 
But verse 18 also, again, tells us the nature of sexual sin. Sexual sin is not just like any other kind of sin. It's actually far more devastating. What do you mean? Look with me again, verse 18. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Sexual sin is a personal sin against the believer who engages in it. You are literally taking devastating circumstances and bringing them into your life when you engage in this. In fact, this is what King Solomon wrote about in his Proverbs. In the sixth chapter where he discusses, tells his son to flee from the immoral woman, he says this in verse 29 through 33. Listen to what he says. So is he who goes to his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry. But if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. In fact, Solomon would also say, can he take fire to his bosom and not be burned? So when you and I engage in this, and this is the point that Paul is trying to make here to the Corinthians and to you and I as we're reading this, is you may have freedom, but you don't have freedom in this area because the consequences of engaging in this is devastating, not just to your life, but to others around you. So with that, he's going to talk about the nature of our bodies. Look with me at verse 19. He wants to remind you of something about your body, verse 19 and 20. Here's what he says. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. All right, so first of all, the nature of our bodies. Paul reminds them that the believer is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So we know that the Holy Spirit dwells within the church, between each and every individual, but he dwells within you. So the, the instant, the, the, the very second, or even less than a second, of you coming to faith and you placing your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and following him, at that instant, the Holy Spirit entered into your life, and you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So because of this reality, the believer's body is not their own. So my body doesn't belong to me. Oh, you have to say, oh, yeah, it belongs to you. No, it doesn't. My body doesn't, as a believer, my body belongs to Jesus. That's the reality that we want to see here. So with that, he gives an imperative. 
What's an imperative, George? Well, he gives in a command. He gives something that you and I are supposed to do. And he's telling us that. And so glorify God in your body. That's the last part of verse 20. So what's he saying there? Because you were purchased with the price of Christ, they must glorify God with their bodies. So what do you mean we were purchased? Well, Jesus paid the price on the cross, he he gave his life, he bled, he died for you so that you might have forgiveness and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ once again through faith and have eternal life. Because you were purchased, you and I must now glorify God with our bodies. And so the implication of that is, if I'm going to glorify him with my bodies, I'm not going to engage in that which he's telling me not to do, which in this instance means sexual sin. So, okay, so as we wrap this up, what are we getting into here? Well, remember, he starts out in the first part of are looking today at verses 12 through 20. He talks about the issue of freedom. Yes, you have freedom, but that's not necessarily beneficial and that could possibly lead to slavery, you being dominated by something. But he also wants to stress that while we have freedom in some areas, there is an area that we don't have freedom in. And the area is sexual sins. And you might say, well, that's just only natural. No, no, it's not natural because you are not the same anymore. You belong to Jesus. Your body belongs to Jesus. And when you engage in that, you are engaging in something spiritually and you're joining Christ to that. And with that, when you do that, you face the consequences of your behavior and the implications of that. So, so recognize you don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Christ. And so that is the issue that he's getting to here. That's what he wants us to see. And that's what you and I need to think about. Now, next week, when we look at this lesson, we're going to look at chapter 7, and he's going to talk about marriage and the implications for you and I, as well as the issue of singleness. So we're going to look at that next week.